thing I had in the last decade was my dad's seven simple points of wisdom. I love that. Out of everything I've created and done, doesn't matter how produced, how fancy, whatever, the thing that did the best was my dad's. What were his simple messages? Think about these messages. I want you to let, please, I, I know we're all in the influencer land and we're all got chat and we all have so many things going on, but listen how simple this is. Be yourself. Be honest. Do your best. Take care of your family. Treat people with respect. Be a good citizen. Follow your dreams. That's my dad's message. It's the most successful thing I've ever shared on the internet. Simple, right? I think our society has lost some of the simple beauties, some of the simple messages, some of the simple daily life. Everyone's trying to show off and sometimes forgetting that to show real life or to speak about real life is the thing that makes a difference to real people. And maybe we could remember right now, you know, how, how important that is. I hope you enjoyed these 10 things. Um, I mean a lot to me. I'll recap them for everybody who's just joining us here. Uh, the 10 best things I ever did in my career. Number one, weekly content proliferation, which forced me to learn and forced me to share and be consistent. Number two, subscription program. Number three, evergreen launch. Number four, coaching. Number five, knowing a role and picking a role. Creator, leader, linchpin, icon. Number six, work-life balance with performance. Number seven, honor everyone you do business with. Honor everyone in your life. Respect them and their own journey. Number eight, value your learning more. Believe in it to share that. Number nine, believe in your lessons that they matter. They don't need to be big and grandiose. What you have been on, what your journey has been matters. Share more of it. And number 10, make the small the focus. Recognize the small things. Honor the small things. See the small things. Share the small things. All right. I hope that has served you now. And now, while we're here, I have the blessing of, at the top of the hour here, getting to bring on uh, one of my favorite guys in the industry. In a moment here, we're going to be joined by the great Jay Shetty. Jay is somebody who uh, I've gotten to know so well over the last couple, I guess really last two years real well. And um, he is somebody who, as, as many of you know, really was like a rocket ship in the industry and has such perspective to share about that journey because you could take all of this and it's just incredible that this guy is, is as an example, had the most viewed video of the entire year on Facebook. And I think it was 27, 2018. He'll tell us the most of all videos in the whole world. He's somebody who's had his videos viewed more than four. I think it's, I think it's 4 billion times, maybe 5 billion video views and shares by now it's an unbelievable epic level 25 million fans on facebook 
His new book is on it. It's, I believe it's fifth week on the New York Times bestseller list right now. If you were part of my community, you saw that launch for that. Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Five weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. He's been on all the major shows. He's had all the major celebrities. His podcast, On Purpose with Jay Shetty, is one of the top podcasts on the planet. The guy has unbelievable reach and influence and is using it for his mission, which his mission is to make wisdom go viral. So taking good life lessons, putting them to entertaining themes and sharing those videos far and wide. And then now bringing other people's wisdom to the world through his podcasts and through his other work. Um, just an absolutely awesome guy. And he agreed to jump in with us today on Influencer Summit and give you some awesome information. He and I are going to chat. And so I hope you'll continue taking notes. And if you are new to the community or just joining us with us now, make sure you share that wherever you're watching in Facebook, share that post, share that link with everybody in here. Let them know Jay is jumping on because I did not release an agenda and I won't be doing that. So you might go out on social and let everyone know that right on Influencer Summit, we've got Jay Shetty. Jay, my brother, you on here. Brendan, how's it going? It's so good. Hey, Jay Shetty, let's give a round of applause. It's so awesome to see you, and it's so nice. I've been flicking through all nine pages. I'm on gallery mode. I'm waving at all of you. I wish I could give you all a massive hug, but know that I'm trying to see your faces if you're on video, and if you're on photo, you all look amazing. But uh, it's incredible to meet the community, Brendan, and uh, so grateful to be with you. Uh, so happy to be here. And each and every one of you, thank you for tuning in today. And I'm so glad that you're a part of Brendan's community. I feel grateful to be a part of Brendan's community. Actually, what I was trying to do, I wanted to show you something. So every few weeks, I'll send Brendan a message, like a text message. And it will be a message. And I'm trying to see if we have it in our chat because I want to show you. And, and every week, I'll send him a message of something where I used to share his quotes years ago. So I've been following Brendan years before I ever made any content. And I loved his quotes. I loved his thoughts, ideas. And I would share them everywhere. And so every few weeks, I probably send Brendan a picture of like six years ago, me sharing his quote, like seven years ago, me sharing his quote on my page. And so it's been such a joy following Brendan for so many years. And, and today I consider him like the godfather of the industry. He like really takes care of everyone who's trying to learn and grow and serve in this way. And, and I think he plays a really special role in that way where he's not trying to enforce competition or conflict, but collaboration and support. And I think that that's what puts him above head and shoulders as a leader and why I respect him so much and admire him so much. So Brendan, I just want to take a moment to say that about you. You know how I feel about you, but, but I wanted to share it with the community because sometimes from the outside, and you know, that's what this is about. We're going to go inside. This is what you don't see on social media, the conversation that you may not get out there. And so I think that's really important to know about Brendan, that he really is that. Uh, for the industry, for the community, and, and everyone feels that way about him, and I definitely do. So thank you, Brendan. Thank you, brother. Oh, my gosh. It's so good to see you. I know it's early over there, and and uh, <laughs> we've got um, some special members here in Zoom, but most of the people worldwide are watching through our Facebook groups right now, awesome. And which I know is one of your preferred mediums because you practically broke Facebook, <laughs> you know, when you came on. And was it 2017 or 18, the most viewed video of literally the entire year? 
we we definitely had it in 18 and I'm pr- in 2018 I'm pretty sure we did 2019 too so I don't know that one wasn't verified but but I felt like we we had it for sure but uh but yeah That's it's incredible. been it's been a fun journey and it's been far beyond my dreams and imagination as to what any of this could have ever done so I'm excited to share it with you and the community yeah I, well first I want to give a shout back to you too for listen lots of very few people have ever figured out how to make something go viral on purpose. And, and Jay's now done it, you know, year over year at these extraordinary levels, but he's choosing to do it with what we would all, you know, relate to is like personal development with real wisdom, with real life philosophy that is caring, compassionate, open, and really, you know, honors humans and our journey. And so I love you for that, man. And that makes such a difference. And this community also knows, I, I shared in the intro here that, I think this is week five on the New York Times of Think Like a Monk. Yeah, it's been incredible. And thank you for all your support, Brendan. Brendan was like, you know, there with me the whole way. I, I really felt loved and supported by him in week launch week. I was nervous. Like we did, we you know, it was the day before the book came out. And I was so nervous because I've never done this before. And I love that feeling. I love getting that nervous excitement feeling when you're doing something new. And yeah, it's been five weeks on the list, which has been absolutely amazing. Uh, it was, you know, number one on Amazon across the world and in every different uh, country, which was amazing to see the international, uh, you know, journey of the book. And I'm just so glad it's in like 45 languages uh, at the moment. So it's just it's just been mind blowing to see uh, the love for the book. And I'm just so glad that it's serving people and supporting people right now, especially. It's in the- so good. I showed it when I showed it online. I showed all the notes and I. Um, where I'd love to take this, Jay, is to, to some areas that we usually don't get to talk about, um, you know, in our influencer careers, some of our, our own doubts and our own struggles about that. And a couple of things I'd love to hit with you today is like, one, that identity part of what we have to do, where Jay's like me, you know, ha- had a job, shifted a job, and then, you know, decides he's going to share about his journey, you know, being a monk and the parts of his life where he did that and still works towards uh, those things and has those experiences, a lot of people watching, they're they're mortified to put out a part of their life that they don't think will be as respected or heard or honored or as inclusive, you know, because it would be easier for you to go out and start speaking on leadership because you had a corporate job. There was a part of your life you wanted to share. How do you, how do you find what that is you want to share and get over the worry that that, you're going to be perceived in, in, in a way that's less credible. Cause a lot of people here worry about that credibility and the identity stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a great question. And I think for me, the interesting thing was Brendan, that when I began, I was more focused on the messages I believed in and the messaging than I was on me. And that helped mm. me create a platform and a community and audience talking about the things I believed in as opposed to talking about my own life and journey. And I liked that as a starting point. I don't even think it was as intentional or conscious. And I didn't have the benefit of sitting inside a audience, you know, in a community like this and having Brendan guide it. I, I wasn't joining an influencer summit. I didn't even know that existed at the time. And I don't think it did. And so this is such a great place to talk about it. But me subconsciously and unintentionally, 
I made it about the messages and the stories I wanted to tell and not about myself. And so what happened is that as I started to create these videos and I was telling stories of people I was inspired by at the time, whether it was Dwayne The Rock Johnson or uh, Will Smith or whether it was talking about uh, JK Rowling because I read her story and that brought tears to my eyes. And I wanted to start sharing things about people that inspired me. And I remember at one point I was... Uh, listening to Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement speech. My daily ritual was to listen to that speech every single day. And I think I did it for 90 days to the point where not only did I know most of the words off by heart, but it had act- the words had actually gone into my heart. Like that's what it means to know words off by heart. Like it's in your heart. And I think that speech changed my life in a massive way. And so I made a whole video based off of Steve Jobs' work. And that was like my third or fourth video I ever created. So I was more interested in sharing messages and not me. And what naturally happened is as the message took off, people then wanted to know about who I was and what my background was. And that's where I really shared where I had learned what I learned from and where I learned most of what I learned from was living as a monk. And I had courage to share that because I could see people were resonating with the monk messages that I'd intertwined into these videos and now I was able to share them in a, in a real way through my own experiences. And, and the courage comes from really going through your experience. And the first thing I do is write down all the, write down the top 10 things that have happened in your life, right? Write down, make it really tactical. Write down what are the top 10 events? And if you can't do 10 and that's too many, what are the top three events in your life? Do three. Let's start with three. What are the top three events in your life? or choices you've made that have been life transformational for you, right? Write them down. The second thing I want you to do is ask yourself, what did you learn from them? Like, what was the lesson that you gained from that moment? Can you articulate it in a way that you could share it with a friend or a family member and they would be able to understand it? Can you communicate it in a way that it will resonate with them, whether they've experienced that challenge or not? And the third thing you have to write is, what did you do to overcome it? What were the messages? What were the habits? What were the practices? What was the thing that helped you break through that in your life? And if you do that, that is a process of reflection that helps you communicate. Because here, this is a difference. There's a difference between reflecting so that you can overcome something. There's a difference between reflecting to communicate it. And and what you're trying to do in this form is you're trying to become a communicator. And so it has to make sense to other people. And I want to end on this before we go to the next question, Brendan, or discussion point is Ray Dalio, when he came onto my podcast, he shared this really powerful equation with me. and, And that's the equation that I'm using to rethink reflection. And he said to me that pain plus reflection equals progress. Pain plus reflection equals progress. And what's interesting about that is if you remove the word reflection, all you're left with is pain. And so a lot of us are sharing our pain. And so this is how I'm thinking about that equation. A lot of us are just sharing our pain because we haven't reflected on it to figure out how to communicate it in a progressive way. And so sharing your pain doesn't create an audience, a community. It may create a thread on social media where people are empathizing with your pain, but it doesn't help you create a community or a group or a program or a service 
for humanity. And so adding those three questions of reflection will change how you think about your pain. I love that so much. And it takes it from, you know, just sharing for empathy to sharing for lessons learned, wisdom. And ultimately, I mean, the, the power of wisdom and the reflection that comes from that is healing. It yeah. is, you know, the, the story, I think the underappreciated story of Jay Shetty is his story is a story of betterment. It is a story of we can learn these things and feel better. We can learn these things and love better. We can learn these things and, and strive happier and healthier because that, 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 that health part of what you do is so important. And I'd love to talk with you about that because in, in very, Jay is in such rare air of achievement uh, and, you know, the people he gets to interact with because of his podcast and his work and his ability to reach people online that he's witnessed what I've witnessed too, which is there's a mental health um, crisis in our influencer community, in the creator community, in the broader, honestly, landscape in which we even participate. And that stress that must have come along when all eyes are suddenly on you and, oh, can you make another viral video? Oh, and by the way, please launch a book while you're transitioning with team members, while you're figuring out first, like how, how do you deal with the, the enormity of the attention and the stress that comes with, hey, keep Keep churning it out, Jay. We like some more, man. Absolutely. And, and the interesting thing is that the first time I felt that was when my first ever video went viral. Not my, it wasn't my first video that went viral. I'm talking about the first video that, that had that trajectory. So I started creating content in January 2016. January 3rd, 2016 was when I put out my first video on just YouTube. I didn't have any other platform at that time. And it took a month to get to about a thousand subscribers. And I was really pushing it out. And I remember a lot of my friends said, this is great. You've reached the pinnacle. You're probably going to get a thousand subscribers. This is fantastic. Uh, I was getting feedback from a lot of my family and friends saying, Jay, you talk too fast. The editing isn't great. The music's too loud. I was getting tons of that feedback in my first month of being a creator. And at that time, I was working a corporate job. I was finishing work at about 8 p.m., getting home at 9. And I was editing for five hours a day, five days a week to create one five-minute video. That's 25 hours. Now, those are terrible odds. If any editor ever tells me <laughs> that they're going to charge you for 25 hours, do not pay them. Uh, but I didn't know how to edit. And I couldn't afford to pay someone to edit for me. So I had to learn. And, and I didn't know how to do music mixing and syncing and audio and light. Like I didn't understand all of that. So I was trying my best. And I had a friend who was kind of guiding me and helping me out here and there. And so I was getting this feedback, but I was so happy at the time that I was just doing something. Like I was just so happy with myself that I was doing something that I cared about. And even though I was getting all this feedback, Jay, you talk too fast. Um, you know, the music's too loud, the light's off. I was just happy because I knew I was doing my best. And then when my first video went viral in about 2016, probably about, I think it was like April or May that year that my first video went viral. And that was by mistake, by the way. Like, I did not expect that to happen. So it wasn't engineered or I wasn't like, oh, yeah, this one's good. It was a total random occurrence where Ariana Huffington had found my videos. They posted a video on Facebook. That video did, in total, that video's had, I don't know, like 160 million views. But the first day it did a million views and the first week it did like 10 million views and it just skyrocketed wow. and all of a sudden it was like jay you need to do this again and then book deals were coming in and this was in 2016 this was 
four years ago. And I actually got so scared about making content that I stopped making content at that time because I was like, I don't know if I can make it go viral again. And so I got so scared because I did it by mistake and I didn't know what I did right or anything that I actually stopped making content. Now, as time's gone on, I realized that there are two things you have to do. The one thing you have to realize is most of the pressure that we place is pressure that we place on ourselves. And consistency is far more important than the velocity of the video, right? Virality is going to go up and down. There's going to be days when you're hitting it and the algorithm's your best friend. And there's going to be days, and I'm saying this after four years of having experienced both, and there's going to be days where the algorithm is not your best friend and is the best friend of someone else. And so you're going to constantly see this up and down. And what I've noticed throughout the last four years is consistency and being able to pivot and change and switch is more important than trying to keep hitting virality. And so what I found is the pressure is changed when you feel you make a plan that suits the lifestyle you want. Yeah. Everyone, say it again, say it again yeah, Jay. You need to create a plan and choose a plan yes. that suits the lifestyle you want. And so you may be that person who's like, Jay, I want to work 18 hours a day and I want to crush it and I'm hustling and I want to do that. Or you may be the person that goes, you know what, I just want to spend time with my kids. And I, I was just speaking to a, a client that I'm coaching and he's, he's a close friend and has been for many, many years. And uh, he, he quit his job recently to become an entrepreneur and, and to do his own work. And it's been hard because he quit last year and obviously 2020 has happened this year. But he said to me, he goes, Jay, I'm just so happy I'm getting to spend more time with my kids and I'm not hustling and I'm not working hard because this is the first time in 10, 12 years that I'm getting to do that. And they're still young and I want to spend time with them. And so you have to realize that. So for me, when I first started creating content, I knew that I could only create one video a week. That's what I could do in a way that I was proud of the video I was putting out. And it was sustainable with my life because I had a corporate job that I was doing full time. And I was okay with that. And so many people like to me, Jay, if you don't make five videos a week, you know, no one's going to care about you. Right, you the know, algorithm won't favor you unless you're, yep. you know, if, it's not totally. four hours, if it's not four a day, you're screwed. Totally. And, and, and I came up with the understanding that at that point in my life, that's all I could do. Now that changed as time went on. 2017, I was making one video a week. So I stayed the same way. 2018, we went to three videos a week because my life changed and I transitioned and we've kept that going ever since then. But I didn't start with uh, three platforms that are booming and content on every platform multiple times per day. We didn't start with that at all. We started with one video a week that I was really proud of, that was really meaningful to me. And so don't look at where someone is today. Look at where they were when they started out. Look at what they were doing when they began their content creator journey. When I started, the only platform I had was YouTube. Then we added Facebook. And I only really started posting on Instagram in like 2018. Uh, you know, two years ago was when we really got involved with Instagram. And now I'm far more involved with Instagram. I and mean, we just launched TikTok uh, you know, about six months ago. And so for me, it's like you don't get pressurized with looking at what everyone's doing and think you have to do everything. And even a book, like I was offered a book deal in 2016. I wrote my book in 2019 and we obviously launched it a couple, um, six weeks ago. And, and that again was a very conscious effort. And I, and I know, uh, Brendan, you brought up the book. For me, it was like, 
I don't want to write a book out of pressure and stress. That that's the whole point of the book is to help you not be pressured and stressed. And and I also don't want to jump on the bandwagon. And if I wrote a book four years ago, it would have been pretty average because I hadn't done what I just told you about reflecting and thinking and journaling and interviewing some monks again and speaking about that life. And there's so much that has happened in the four years that helped me do that. And so the way I structure my years and Brendan, I shared this in Puerto Rico, the way I structure my years is every year I'm trying to do these three L's every year. I'm trying to learn something, right? So you can write this down. And I really think this is the recipe of how I've seen the last three years and it's subconsciously, but I've reverse engineered it. So Every year I'm asking myself, what am I learning this year? What am I learning is a skill, a habit, and you can have it personally and professionally. So professionally, what am I learning about this year? The second thing is, what am I loving doing this year? Like, what am I really enjoying? What am I thriving at? What is bringing me joy personally and professionally? And the third thing is, what am I launching this year that's bringing me excitement and nervousness? Because you need all three. So when you're learning something, you feel like you're moving forward. You feel like you're progressing. When you're loving something, you'll be happy and joyful and, and, and believe in yourself and feel confidence. And when you're launching something, you'll get that excitement again, that nerves of like I'm discovering something. And those are what we need as humans to succeed. We need to feel like we're growing. We need to feel like we're appreciating and enjoying. We need to feel excitement. And so I'll give you an example. Last year, I launched my podcast. I was, um, I was learning about writing a book and I was loving making videos. That was last year, 2019. This year, I launched my book. I'm loving doing my podcast and I'm learning about my second topic for my second book that I'm working on. So notice how everything goes from first you learn it, then you launch it, and then you love it. The mistake we make in our head is we want to love it first. We want to launch it first. Then we want to love it. And then we want to learn to scramble to get it right. And that's not the way. So anyway, that's, that's how I think about my ideal year. I love it. You know, a theme I want you all to pull out from what I spoke about this morning, what Jay is speaking about now and what so many people are going to talk about throughout these couple of days is this, this theme of loving the process of this and setting up your lifestyle to support it because you, the burnout in this industry is so intense right now, especially after this year, there's so much vitriol and negativity and like upset and chaos that this is one reason I recommend my entire audience to read Think Like a Monk, because we have to grab hold of our thoughts again. And we have to sort of create our ideal life and lifestyle. And a lot of that doesn't sound like be in a hurry. Right? I'm not trying, like, I still haven't launched on TikTok and people are like, why are you not there? You dance so terribly bad. You be cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know. But also people tell me all the time, well, you should do this seminar or you should do it like this or you should do it like that. Like even this, even what we're doing here together, people are like, well, why don't you just, you know, get, you know, 20s LED lights or, or soundstage or do the big brand and stuff like your events are. And I was like, well, my wife and I just moved to a new place. Uh, my new office doesn't have fiber internet yet. Uh, you know, and these are my friends and I'm going to do it in a way in which I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the, the key to longevity is to truly enjoy this and make sure you force the blocks of time and effort and energy 
around that enjoyment, meaning you have to a little bit of that peaceful warrior or that monk that is so strong inside of what you want that all of that other stuff can't throw you off of your values and your genuine enjoyment of life. Yeah. You know, Jay's a happy guy. Like we, I've been to his house. He's been around me and Denise and our family and our friends. We're, we're pretty happy guys. We have a lot going on. We reach lots of people, make lots of money and we're pretty happy dudes. I think that's an achievement. And I think the achievement flows from that, you know, um, speaking of achievement, Jay, I'd love to talk to you. I know this, this audience loves super tactical stuff. So two things I'd love to jump on. Uh, maybe you can give like three things now that you have made so many videos go viral. What are some components that makes that happen? But then also, because you just launched a book and we've got tons of authors here. What are maybe three things you learned about launching a book? I think those yeah. two things are so tactical. Absolutely. So the first thing you want to do, and this is part of a course that I haven't yet put out, it's coming out next year. So this is super just for Brendan and Brendan's community, uh, which I'm making on content creation, because I saw that so many entrepreneurs wanted to understand this. So this is, I've, I've um, you know, this isn't out there in a video anyway, I want to share it with your community. So uh, there's three things when it comes to viral content, genre, role, and format, and I'll dive into each one. So first, let's talk about genre. According to the New York Times that did a study on virality, they found that there were only five themes in the world that go viral. And these five themes, and you can write them down, are adventure, comedy, emotion, inspiration, or surprise. I'll say it again. Adventure, comedy, emotion, inspiration or surprise. So adventure is uh, someone bungee jumping or skydiving, right? That's adventure. Comedy, obviously, I don't need to explain it. Uh, emotion is actually linked to the news. It's why the news goes viral, because you see something emotional, positive or negative, and it spirals out of control. Inspiration, obviously, do not need to explain it. And then surprise, uh, a cat playing a piano or a dog reading a book, right? Like surprise, we see that. Now, the interesting thing about these five things, and this is what I understood about virality, is that it's not what genre you're in. It's about can you make someone feel this emotion after they watch your video? So when someone watches your video, do they feel a sense of adventure? Do they feel like laughing? Do they feel negative or positive? Do they feel inspired? Do they feel surprised? There's a big difference between feeling and knowing. And most of us, when we make content, we're thinking, what do I want people to know after this video? Wrong question. The right question is, how do I want someone to feel after this video? Because if someone feels something, they will share it. They will pass it along. So good. If people don't feel something, if they just know it, if they're like, oh, yeah, I know the three things I need to do to wake up better. Great. All right. I know it. But I didn't feel like doing it. I didn't feel like it would move me and that I have to share it. It didn't make me laugh. It didn't make me cry. It has to bring out an extreme emotion. For something to become viral because why virality is based on sharing the things that go viral are based on if people feel excited to share it I'll, so i'll give you an example um and i'm doing this in a very analog way but i think it's the best way to do it so i want to show you a clip from my podcast that we posted the other day that went viral um and so it's it's a it's it's one that i did not expect to go viral and that is the true nature of virality you don't expect it sometimes 
um, but you gear towards it. So we shared a video uh, of me interviewing my monk teacher from India. And so this Everybody video... Oh, you're not going to... Let me see if I can... Ah, oh, there we go. Okay. Love is all about pleasure. But in response to your question on meditation... So why did it go viral? Uh, it has a really important... So this is the second part that I'm getting into. And we'll talk about format. The reason why the content, the genre went viral, it's a monk talking about love. And his message that we picked out from the podcast is super powerful. We also accompanied it with some really powerful emotive music. Is, is heightened. And when you hear him talk about love in such a sincere, pure, amazing way with the music, you're now drawn in to feel that emotion. Just to take that video got 2.6 million views on Instagram, but it was shared a hundred thousand times, like a hundred thousand. And that was totally unlike, I I did not expect it to do that. I was like, who's going to want to watch my monk teacher talk about stuff. But anyway, the point being that what you want to focus on is genre and genre is all about feeling. Do not make it about knowing. So when you're writing your script, it's not about knowing. Second tip, what is your role in the video? Uh, And we'll talk about formats and editing and stuff. But what is your role in the video? So some people are great as the face of their video. Some people are writers. Some people are directors. Some people are videographers. Some people are editors. What role makes you crush it? So I'll give you an example. I had a friend who uh, used to make videos. And whenever he was in the video, it wouldn't go viral. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, Brendan. I'm definitely not talking about you. Uh, I'm going to stop being in all my videos, Jay. What am I doing over here? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And, and, then, and then there was, but whenever he was not in the video and he directed it and he wrote the story, it would go viral because that was his skill. That was his superpower. So he was, a, and, and you may be sitting there going, Jay, yeah, I don't think I'm good on camera. Like, I don't. You know, I don't enjoy being on camera. I, I actually just hate it. And by the way, that can also be changed and learned. So I, I, people, what people don't know is I grew up as an extremely, extremely shy kid. I'm, I'm still very introverted in uh, private groups and big groups. And uh, my parents forced me to go to public speaking school from the age of 11 to age 18. And so I've been trained in communicating. And then when I came across the wisdom of the monks, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like I found the use for my skills now. Uh, when I learned public speaking, I didn't really care about it because I didn't know what to use it for until I met the monks. So you can change that if you want to work on it. It's not like you're set with those skills, but you may say, Jay, my real skill set is writing and directing. You want to play to your strength. Another example I say to people is if you're good on stage, don't sit in front of a camera and make videos, cut yourself up on stage, edit that content up. If you're better in an interview than you are to camera, do that. Cut up yourself in an interview and repurpose that and get an interview set up with a friend who interviews you and you get to share your message. Some people flourish in the role of being an interviewee and some people flourish in the role of being an interviewer and some people flourish in the role of uh, being on stage or being in front of camera. So we're not all uh, 18 years old and great at holding a camera in front of our face and vlogging away. So it's so important to think about what is your role in the video? You might be an incredible uh, writer. And so your whole video is just text on screen. 
And people are just waiting to see the next line of the poem or the next line of your messaging because you're just a phenomenal writer. And so don't feel like you have to become like everyone else or don't feel like you have to do what everyone else is doing to succeed. You can be really successful in knowing your role. And the format... Oh, good. I'm, this I'm, is writing, so- I'm literally writing this down, buddy, because... <laughs> And I hope everyone's capturing this distinction. So whatever you're capturing from Jay, make sure you're commenting down below so people watching it later can also capture some of these learnings in, in, in the replay, which will be up in the Facebook group. But this is so, so good. So make sure, give Jay a big thank you so far because this is gold, man. This is so great. Thanks, Brendan. I want to be tactical for you and your community. So I'm, I'm free writing free. it down, man. Yeah, feel free, free to push me on stuff. If you're, like, if you're like, Jay, we need more on this. We need more on that. And I'll get into it. Format's really interesting. So format is something people don't think about enough. So most of us, we we record a video on our phones and we throw it out there or we record it on a camera and we throw it out there. Formats are proven to have viral potential or not in the sense that one format is a vlog. So you'll see a vlogger who holds a camera, walks around their house, tells you what's going on, and they're so engaging that way. That is a format. Another format is uh, behind the scenes, follow me around. So I'll give examples of people. Uh, if you take someone like Gary V, Gary V's format is that he is followed around by a camera wherever he is and whoever he interacts with is captured on camera. And then his team are editing that up. Now, that's where Gary shines in his role of being followed around. And the format works for him. And that's why he's been able to create that content. But not everyone is going to thrive in that role or that format. So that's another type of format. Uh, another format is interview or podcast. You see our friend Lewis Howes, who I believe is on today as well, or has been on. And you look at Lewis, like Lewis School of Greatness. He's a phenomenal interviewer. And he has built his, his community off of being a phenomenal interviewer. That is a format being an interviewer. So that could be a format. Uh, another format is the format that I started creating a few years ago, which are these sketch-like videos, short films with characters and actors and directing them to have meaningful uh, interactions. That was something that I came up with four years ago because I saw my friends doing it in comedy. And I thought, ah, oh, they're doing sketches in comedy. What if we did sketches in inspiration? That's where I got the idea from four years ago. And that's when we started creating those. So that's another format. Uh, Another format that uh, I recently started doing was uh, react videos. So I've I've started doing this concept where I react to love advice and life advice in movies. So I just did the notebook a couple of weeks ago where I I analyze. That's a format. So what's really important is that once you find your genre and your role, you find the format that already exists but you apply it to your teachings and your industry and your work. If you look at all the top YouTubers, they have a very similar format. If you look at all the top comedians on Instagram, they have a very similar format. So using a format to find a framework to start being creative within by your own uniqueness is the place you start. Now let's talk about tactics of minutes, et cetera. Um, And by the way, if you don't do genre role and format effectively, no amount of good titles and Uh, minutes of video and stuff is going to help. And so I don't usually get to this part until I talk about those three, because those three are the crux of whether you have a piece of content or not. Uh, and, and, And so that's really important. So now minutes. So let's talk about Facebook. Facebook flourishes generally with videos that are four to eight minutes. That's your sweet spot for Facebook. 
And the interesting thing with all platforms right now is they're looking at watch time, which means how long could you keep someone's attention? So when you're creating a video, you have to ask yourself, would someone stay in the first three and eight seconds? That's the first question you ask yourself. Am I interested? I was literally talking to my friend about this. And I was saying to him, when you start your video going, hey, guys, I hope you're having a good day. It's a, it's a gray day today. Um, and, and, you know, I just had this thought. If you start already, I've got bored. Yeah. Whereas if you, if you started off by saying, if you started off a video and you said, did you know that 37% of people have been ghosted today? Or like, did you know that uh, 42% of people, um, did you know that COVID, and by the way, I'm making this up, so these aren't real stats. Uh, did you know that COVID forced 40% of people to get a divorce? Like that is already, I'm interested. And now if you give me advice on positive, healthy relationships, I'm listening. But if you started off by going, hey guys, so I've learned a lot about relationships in the last 12 months and I wanted to share it with you. It's like, I don't know if I'm interested or not interested. So that's the first question. Are you interested in the first three to eight seconds? The second thing is, are people going to stay throughout the whole video to follow you on that journey? And they're going to stay if they feel that there are new reveals or new pieces of information that keep them engaged. And the final question is, is someone going to share this? People are only going to share it if it felt like something. We share things when we feel something. I feel like Brendan has helped me a lot in, in my life and work. So I share that with people. Uh, someone else may have given me good advice, but if I wasn't moved by it or I, it didn't like, I didn't feel it, then you're not going to pass that along. Um, so that's very important. Uh, for Instagram, the videos that succeed are around that one to three minute mark that you're finding right now of that short form content. I'm also seeing 10 minute content win on Instagram because of lo uh, the watch time. But at the minimum, you're looking at over one minute. Now, here's the interesting thing. Instagram is giving preference, preferential treatment to IGTV, which is videos of over one minute, or to Reels, which is their new TikTok, uh, TikTok competitor, which is almost like 30 seconds of content. So the interesting thing you have to know here is if a video is 59 seconds, you want to make it one minute and one second. Because that 59 second video does not get preferential treatment. So you may add a little screen at the end that has your website and says share today. You may add a little screen at the end that says, please pass this along. You're doing that because the algorithm is giving preferential treatment to videos that are just over a minute. And so if I have a video that's 56 seconds, we'll add six seconds onto the end of it to make sure that we're actually working with the algorithm as opposed to against it. So if you're putting out videos that are 59 seconds, which means you have the play button in the top right, instead of the IGTV button in the top right, it won't do as well because IGTV is getting preferential treatment and um, IGTV is getting preferential treatment and the 30 second reels content is getting preferential treatment. So that's really, really important to know. The other thing you want to do when you post on Instagram is you want to share your post to story. So I'll give an example. If you look at that, that's a video we posted today. I posted it myself this morning. And I'm going to show you, we posted it on story. And now it's on story with a little caption at the top. Sorry, I'm trying to get this. There, yeah. we, there we go. Right? 
And so one of the mistakes people make is when they post a new post, they leave it on the grid, but they don't post it to their story. And I found that that sometimes can 2x, 3x views by posting on story because now you're drawing people's attention to it. So every time you post a new post, make sure you share it on story with an interesting caption or interesting byline that makes people want to go and see it. And then YouTube, you're looking again at content that's in the six to 10 minute mark. So slightly more long form, people want to watch for longer, more conversational content does well there. So for example, if I'm editing a podcast, we're doing a one hour version. We have a great podcast with Brendan, which we even have him teaching me like Qigong and like, you know, we're sitting up and doing all this stuff. And and it's like, that's like, I think we talked for maybe an hour and a half even. Uh, and so that's on um, on YouTube, but we cut that up into loads of different episodes for Instagram, which are one to three minutes long, and Facebook. So you want to try and make the most out of any piece of content as well. You don't want to get, you don't want to be making so much content. And one of my biggest like uh, encouragements to my team is we need to get better at repurposing. We make so much content and we probably don't even use it to its full potential. And that's what we need to get to. So those are the three main platforms with rough t- timings of each. Uh, it's really important that all your videos have subtitles. Uh, you know, I couldn't, couldn't stress that more. You need that. And I would also make sure that videos on Instagram and Facebook have a caption at the top, like have a title at the top. And that title is so critical to people noticing you and, and, and grabbing onto that piece of uh, work without just ignoring you. Um, so those are some of the things to think about. And Brendan, happy to dive into any of it that wasn't tactical enough or no, any more. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, is there an app on your phone that you love to put the, you shoot the video, you put the title on. Is there one that you love or recommend the most? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, oh, for no, graphic, like, what do you use? What do you use? For graphic, for graphic, for graphics, it's Canva. Uh, and I think people are very aware of that. And for videos, we do it all in post on like uh, uh, Adobe. So we're doing it all in post on an editing platform. But if you are using one on your phone, you've got everything from meme creator um, uh, through to, I think there's another one that I need to check with my wife that she uses. I'll have to, I'll have to find out from her. But meme creator is one that I've used in the past that works great. Uh, and, and really, it's just about finding any of them that, that help you and suit you and work for you. Uh, uh, that really make it easy for you. There's no real uh, playbook or winner for me. I think I hear people using loads of different ones. Um, Let me see if I can... pretty much will add that, you know, InShot, Video Show. InShot, that's the one my wife uses. InShot, that's the one. Yeah, that's now that you said that. Yeah, InShot. For me, a dummy, that's really easy. So it's called InShot, I-N. Yes, yes. We're not sponsored by them or anything. I just, for a guy that's not super great at the (laughs) Adobe part, so that, that helps. Yeah, um, that's the one. InShot's the one. Jay, big round of applause so far, guys. This is awesome. Share this post and just be like, Jay's lighting this up. I just, look at that, man. You just killed my, my notes. I'm, look, I'm looking for my bigger journal because I'm ripping, writing those down little pieces of paper. Um, so helpful. On to the book. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You launched. And by the way, again, dude, I know so few, so, being an author, and I've had that multi-week joy everyone's so pumped for you when you hit number one and then you don't hear anything about it except from like the fans but your friends are like you did it good and they walk away and you're like no I, i'm still talking about this book two three years later uh you're i mean already five weeks on the new york times bestseller list what was some of the things that you felt really um uh, that you like to do in promoting that 
and that you felt like really had the impact. And I specifically ask what you like to do because everyone here knows, you know, all the different, there's so many different tricks and things you can do, like tons of podcasts, tons of emails, tons of press, tons of, but what did you enjoy doing that you felt like moved the needle the most? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is that in the process of writing the book, we didn't stop serving our audience on social media. Uh, because ultimately, you know, that was the audience that took to the book the most. It was our Instagram audience and our Facebook audience that bought the book, continues to buy the book, continues to be engaged with the work. And so to me, that was so important and powerful that you don't want to get so distracted writing the book or creating a piece of content that you, that you stop serving your audience. Because that's the same audience you're going to come back to and say, hey, I've got a new book out. And so if you've, if you've lost your engagement or you've lost your uh, connection with that audience, it's really, really difficult um, um, to, to do that. So first thing I'd say is that, you know, whether you're launching a book or a program or a course or whatever it is, your connection to your audience, whether that's a mailing list, a social media channel, whatever it may be, do not stop serving that audience content that is not related to the product. Uh, because, because ultimately people wanted your content. That's why they're communicating with you and they'll want your book when it comes out, but they also want the stuff that they're used to getting from you. And so they I want think more of what they got and more, they want more familiar. So if you came out with a book on a complete, you know, topic you haven't talked about before, it's going to be really hard to sell. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. That would be really, really tough to sell. And at the same time, you want your book to be an extension of the work you do on social because you don't want it to be the same. So we went back and forth. Like, so I had the idea for a book called Think Like a Monk four years ago. And I was set that that was the title because that was something that I've been fascinated by monks' brains. They're scientifically proven to be the happiest brains on the planet. I experienced the life for three years. It felt right. And so many people said to me, they were like, Jay, no one wants to think like a monk. Like a lot of uh, publishers said that to me. They're like, no one wants to think like a monk. Like you should change that title. And, and I was just like, but I don't want to write a book called like how to find your passion or, you know, like stuff like that. Because I was like, there's, there's good stuff out there on that. It's not the full topic that I'm talking about. I want something that's unique and true to me. And, and so anyway, we stuck with it, obviously. And, and for me, that's why your book should never be the same thing you do online and it shouldn't be completely different. It needs to be an extension and enhancement. And, and I see every piece of content I create as being people getting to know me more deeply. So when we went from four minute videos to the one hour podcast to the book, my question to myself is how can I reveal more of myself more deeply with this new medium? So we don't just do a podcast because we can. We do a podcast because people get to know that I'm a massive soccer fan. People get to know what music I'm into. People get to learn about my relationship with my wife. All the stuff I can't really do on a four minute video. And with the book, People always talk to me, why haven't you told your full story? And I was like, the only place I can tell my full monk story and life story is in a book. And it's not a memoir, but, but it has biographical moments. So the second thing that I'd say, which really worked for the book that I really loved doing, and this was some great advice that I got thanks to, um, you know, friend David Hollis, who I got introduced to uh, at Brendan's uh, Puerto Rico event that we all did together. And, and David told me that one of the best ways was to go live a week before the launch of the book every day and share my offering that I had for people that was linked to the book. So we created a free program uh, that was, you know, the four steps to thinking like a monk and discovering your purpose. And this was a free added bonus for everyone who pre-ordered the book. 
And that was something that Brendan had shared with me. You need to have that offering. And so we created an offering we were proud of. And then David told me, you need to go live every single day before your book launches, telling people that they'll get that for free when they buy the book or pre-order the book. And then after the book went out, we did a 20-day meditation program and we gave everyone a free PDF, which was a meditation journal with reflection questions. So every day for literally 30 days in a row, I went live seven to 10 days before the book came out and I went live 20 days after the book came out to guide people through the book. And so in my meditations, I would lead a meditation for 10 minutes. I would read from the book and I would guide people through the questions in the meditation journal. I loved that because it was the most intimate connection I had with my audience. I felt the most connected with them. And then what I do is I bring one of them on Instagram live at the end and ask them how their meditation was. And they'd be like holding the book up and being like, Jay, I got it. I love it. I was reading with you. Like it was the most, especially right now when I can't visit people, uh, especially right now when I can't visit people, it was without the doubt the best thing I've done because I felt the most connected to my audience. And, and my third favorite thing that I did with the book uh, and this was an idea from Lewis. And you can see here where collaboration is so important and asking people for their ideas is so important. You're going to have to do the work, but but don't don't be shy of asking people who've done this before. And so Lewis said to me, he goes, you need to go into Barnes and Noble, see your book in the wild. And, and why don't we just sign a ton of copies and just leave them there? I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like, I'm not going to get to see anyone and I can't do a meetup because of COVID. So let's try that. Now, an interesting thing happened. The first time we went to Barnes & Noble, what I decided to do was go live on Instagram and Facebook at the same time I went into store. So we went live on Instagram and Facebook. And I was like, hey, guys, I can't do a meetup. It's COVID. I can't tell you to come and see me, but I'm going to sign books here and you can come and pick them up later on in the day. Now, what happened is when I went there, the lady at Barnes & Noble at the front desk, she said to me, why don't you tell your fans that they can call and, and order the book and save it for themselves or we can ship it in the United States? So I told everyone on Instagram and Facebook, I was like, guys, she's just told me that you can call up. I'm at Barnes and Noble at the Grove in LA. And this is my local Barnes and Noble. We have 50 books available. You can call and, and they'll save you a book. Literally two seconds later, the phones went crazy. We sold out 50 books in five minutes and people saved them. So I was like, Barnes and Noble, we've got to do this again. And so I went back three times. And the next time they did 1,500 books, and we sold 1,500 books in an hour um, of people calling in. And then I took phone calls from people as well. So I started taking phone calls and uh, talking to people. And people were like, Jay, I've been, they were like, hi, I'm, I'm inquiring about Think Like a Monk. I've been waiting for 45 minutes on the phone. And I was like, hi, this is Jay Shetty. How's it going? And they were like, oh, it's so fun. And it was just such a like fun yes. experience. And I had so much fun doing that. And so... Uh -huh. So just going out there and even though I couldn't go out there and I couldn't do a book tour and I couldn't do an event, like that was just, and I made a video on it. It's on my Instagram where it shows me going to all these tours and taking calls and everything. We made a little video uh, and it was just, that was so meaningful because I felt connected to people. And that's what I've been craving is, you know, you can read reviews on Amazon and you can get all these numbers and stats. But when I hear someone tell me that the books helped them and changed their life, there's nothing better than that. And so those were three of the things that really worked. And, uh, and of course, the social media marketing, the, the podcast I went on, and all the stuff that Brendan said you already know. These were, I was trying to give ideas that I think maybe people are less aware of. Yeah, uh, and you enjoyed. Book. And you enjoyed because... And I enjoyed. Yeah, that last one brought me... <laughs> it's that so last one brought me more joy 
than anything in the world because taking phone calls of people uh, and and like talking to them, uh, I took I, I wasn't allowed to take that many because Barnes and Noble were like they 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 were they were they were they, it went a bit crazy like we we had their phones just like going nuts. And so, <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't that many, but it was fun. Um, man, I just first, I just appreciate the the insight you've been sharing and the spirit you always share it with so far, man. It's just so, so good. Um, you know, my last question today, and then uh, we get to have Jenna will be c- coming on here at the top of the hour. Jenna Kutcher, who Jay and I both love. Um, Jenna. <laughs> would be, you know, just to hear what your advice would be to people as they're really trying to, to, to start and scale this, you know, in that first one or two years versus when you get a little more evolved. Like, how do you think of that, um, that sort of procession, if you will, that progress? And what would your advice be on, the, on their own influencer journey? Yeah. The first thing I'd say is really work on your strengths and skills based on what role, genre, and format you choose. So if you're saying, Jay, I want to be in front of camera, go and get on camera training, like go and do that course, do that program, like go and do the work because you're just going to be a million times better if you've had the training. If you're someone who wants to be on stages in the future, get a coach to teach you how to be great on stages. It's going to make a difference. I, I value coaching so much in my life. When I wanted to launch a book, I talked to everyone who had ever launched a book. And some of those conversations, by the way, were a waste of my time and didn't help me. But the ones that were helpful were the reason the book did so well. And so sometimes you are going to sit on 100 phone calls and 75 of them are not going to teach you anything you don't know. But the 25 you do are just going to be life changing. And so it's so important that you get coaching. I am such a big proponent of coaching because if I want to do something, I'll give an example. Uh, January this year, I was asked to by Sony Pictures to be in the trailer for Bad Boys. And they said they wanted me to do a life coaching session with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Um, and, and the Smith family are friends, but I've never done something with them professionally. And, um, and, uh, and I was asked to do this. And I was scared because A, I'm not a comedian. B, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are absolutely, you know, the top of their game. So I'm going to look like the worst actor of all time. And, <laughs> and thirdly, it's like, it's, it's a piece that I've never done before. So what I did, and I found out five days before I got the call from Sony Pictures, uh, obviously was super excited. I was never going to say no to that opportunity. And I spent the next five days, I called up all my friends and asked for acting coaches. And I went to acting coaching every day for three hours a day. Nice. And, and, and it was just like, because I was like, I don't want to walk in there and, and, not feel confident that I know my lines. I know what I'm doing. And it was the most fun thing. It was so fun. And so first thing is whatever skills you think you need to have on your journey, go out and get them and work on them because there's no substitute for that. Uh, The second thing I would say is go all in on the platform that's giving you the most love. So Brendan kept talking about Facebook for me. The, The days I went all in on Facebook were the days everyone wanted to be a YouTuber. So it was uncool to be on Facebook. It was seen as the older people's platform. It was seen as the platform that was for for people who've kind of like, who aren't real creators or the cool kids of today. But Facebook was where I was seeing the most traction. And by the way, we still have three and a half million subscribers on YouTube too. But the point is that Facebook was the algorithm, the platform in terms of when I posted a video, the community, I could see that that's where my content was resonating. 
So I had to disconnect from wanting to be the cool kid and just wanting to be someone who was trying to serve and, and have a platform where people cared about my work. And so we went from 2 million to 28 million people on Facebook in one and a half years, literally one and a half years, because that's where the love was. And by the way, at the same time as Facebook grew, YouTube grew from 80,000 to three and a half million. So the proportion wasn't the same, but I went where I felt the love. And too many people are trying to be everywhere or they're trying to be where they think it's cool and relevant to be. You've got a platform. You may win on LinkedIn. You may win on TikTok. You may win on Instagram. Don't go with the trend of like, oh, Instagram's the hot one now. TikTok's the hot one now. YouTube, it's like, there's always going to be a new hot one, but where is it where you're hot? That's, that's the question you should be asking. You may be hotter on a podcast than you are on any of these platforms. And so notice how I go platform by platform by platform. I, I have never tried to dominate all platforms at the same time. When we figured out Facebook, I moved to Instagram. And I've been focused on Instagram for the past two years. It's the platform that I, I spend the most time on. And we've grown from two to 7.2 million in the